So there you have it. Okay, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, 1 Timothy, the whole book is church life. This is how you treat this group of people. This is how you treat these individuals. This is, and of course, love is the overarching. We get it. In particular, when it comes to this group, this. When it comes to this type of person, this. And he sets boundaries up and everything else. It's, this is church life one, 101. And chapter 6 is no different. Uh, we'll pray here directly. We'll read chapter 6 and we'll see that this is kind of the final exhortation. And much of this book is exhortation, teaching, instruction. I love it. I can't get enough of it. It's not things that people choose all the time. But I love instruction. I love to know what to do in a given situation. We, as Calvary Chapel, we set a lot of stock in this portion of Scripture because it's, <laughs> how do you run church? Well, a lot of people ne- uh, neglect this, and it shows in their church. Okay, let's pray. God, I pray you'd add your blessing to your word in such a way that it would dramatically change us. I mean, we, we say we set a lot of uh, stock by these words, this, these chapters, this section of Scripture. And we want that to be true of your whole word. But help us, Lord, to understand, navigate through the things that you'd have for us here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let as many servants, chapter 6, verse 1, were to slaves. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy, worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. This, there's a lot of people that make this verse like this makes their skin crawl. Uh, and they teach that the Bible teaches slavery. Now, you know how I feel about that. No, no. You don't know what you're talking about. You are blathering. Uh, the Bible does not teach slavery. It does not. I can't think of a verse, and I'm trying to be very objective about this. I can't think of a verse that says slavery is wrong. Now, as we practice slavery in America, in the, uh, you know, well, from the founding of the country to the Civil War. That's specifically spoken about in Scripture as, as wrong. Uh, the word is men-stealers in the King James. When you kidnap somebody to become a slave, you've already crossed over a line. Now, I think what the Bible clearly does is it puts restrictions on slavery that if you follow out, like if you, if you follow and you live and you think these things through, it's, it's the death knell for slavery. You say, well, why doesn't the Bible, why isn't there a chapter or verse that says, slavery is wrong, don't do it? Because the way it was practiced isn't, if you think, and again, is American, how America practiced slavery, I think that's wrong right by the verse men steals. But, but ha- having said that, I, uh, by the way, the question, why doesn't the Bible say that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Can I just be honest with you? Uh, I know that God's word is God's word, and I don't like sit and second guess him. Like people would say, Thomas Jefferson, if he thought like all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, what about his slaves? Why didn't he set them free? I don't know. I don't want to speak for Thomas Jefferson. And here, we superimpose a 21st century enlightened, okay, how come, and we can second guess everybody all the way back through. And I think this, this legitimacy there, because I always think the Bible should be applied to every society, every standard of living at all times, and you do it the Bible way. You don't, like, say, well, this is what we've always done, and then try to make the Bible fit. I mean, I've, I've spoken against that. So back to Thomas Jefferson. Why didn't he just release the slaves and be done with it? And by the way, I was planning, I was thinking to preach a whole sermon on the evils of slavery and why and what the Bible has to say about it and bring all the verses to light and stuff like this. And I, as I was praying about it, I got like, no, I, I got a, a definite check in my spirit, like, no, not at this time. Although that, at some point that might happen because I had a lot of things to say about slavery. Why didn't Thomas Jefferson free his slaves? I don't know, you have to ask him. But I think like, here, you're free, you're emancipated. Now what? Starvation. Nobody's feeding you. That's a big ship to get, bring to a halt and turn. What, what do you do in the interim? How do you, how do you survive? How do you... 
What do you do today and tomorrow? What's going to stop people from coming and recapturing and making his slaves slaves again? I mean, it's... Is more to it. Now, we talk about slavery in the Bible. We're talking about, like, a lot, very often indentured servitude. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. Okay, you get in debt. And they didn't have mechanisms in place like, you know, you just declare bankruptcy and you get a reset button. They didn't have anything like that. You're in serious debt. You could sell yourself into slavery. Now, it doesn't mean people could kill you or whip or torture you, but you had given up a certain right. You're, for this many years, you're working for somebody. And again, it was kind of like a indentured servitude. And then after that, it says, now, if you love your master and you want to, well, why would it talk about loving your master? Because there just might be that situation where, let's see, I get three hots in a cot. I get loved here. I'm, I'm treated really good. I'm, uh, everything's going great here. Why would I, I want to go anywhere else? And there was even that option in there with the idea that that's how it might be. Now, if you're running away by night and hoping for the Underground Railroad to conduct you into the northern climes, I would already say that, you, 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 uh, you know, what, what, what chapter? I think it's chapter 21 or chapter 22 of Exodus. I already think that doesn't count because you're not going to go to the, to the house and say, yeah, you know, pierce my ear with an awl, connect me to the house. For, I mean, you're, you're, when you're running away, you're already, you know... Uh, it already shows where your heart is. Um, were there slave owners in the South who were good and godly men? <laughs> I don't want to judge that. But I always think, like, if that's the case, why didn't you free slaves? And I watch movies like, you know, Gods and Generals. Gettysburg is very telling. And you hear someone like who's a supposed godly, godly man, like Robert E. Lee. And he said, yeah, we should have uh, freed all the slaves first. Because the South maintains it wasn't about slavery. It was about this and economics and freedom. And you can't make me join your club if I don't want to be part of it and all that stuff. And my question is, yeah, well, why didn't you free the slaves first? And then we'll be talking about something else entirely. But it seemed to me the Civil War was God's judgment on a country that didn't regard human rights. And there wasn't a family in America that was unaffected by the Civil War. So my thinking is God loud and clear said, this is how I feel about your your brand of slavery. Now that's not always the case in the Bible, what slavery is all about. Here, Paul's writing to those who are slaves. You're under the yoke, right? I want you to count your masters worthy of all honor. That's not an accounting term. They're not saying pay your master. Do you remember it said uh, pastors who teach well and rule, they're worthy of double honor, double pay. Uh, It's talking about widows who are worthy of honor, who are true widows indeed. That's talking about pay. Here it's not talking about pay. It's talking about honor as we would think. Okay? Uh, So you work for a, uh, you're you're under the yoke. Count your master worthy of all honor. What if he's not honorable? Well, that's always the problem, isn't it? And here the Word of God says, it doesn't matter if he's honorable, honor him. Because you're a Christian. That will adorn the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You're a slave in a household. And by the way, they had like 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Um, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's Jewish and Gentile. I think he's writing to Jews and Gentiles while he's writing to Timothy. In church, and by the way, think about this, the Roman Empire, you know, they have slaves. They go into church, one of these places where Christians gathered in someone's home and stuff like this, and they would see somebody's slave and the master sitting side by side worshiping the same God. Or maybe, even more scandalous than that, they would see a situation where the slave was, a, was an overseer or the pastor of a church. I say the Bible set a trajectory where slavery would just be a thing of the past because of its teaching. When I'm, when I'm, let's say I'm, I'm a slave owner in the traditional old, I'm a senator in Rome or something like that. I have slaves. And I come to a faith in Jesus Christ and my slaves, by the way, I'd be telling them all about Jesus, wouldn't you? And they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now we're all worshiping together. At some point I'll be thinking, this guy used to be my servant. Now he's my brother in Christ. Maybe he's my pastor or, or a deacon in the church that I go to. And it's two on that for a while. I think slavery's days were numbered because of Christianity. And in the interim, 
because people had to be fed and had to be housed and had to be clothed and stuff. God put some restrictions, some parameters on the whole institution. Did he ever say, you know, go out and make a bunch of slaves? He did say this, when like, you, you go to war and you take prisoners, make them your servants. The answer was like, kill them all. I mean, you think, well, that's rather harsh. Well, yeah, I guess it is. Well, would you rather be somebody's servant or dead? Me, dead. Okay, I, I, I live free or die. That's, that's my whole motto, okay? That's me. But that's not everyone's choice. Well, I'd rather serve this guy. I mean, he spared my life. We lost the battle. He's, you know, taken over all our stuff. But at least, at least I'm alive. And there's a lot of Bible about that. Remember the Gibeonites? They come to Joshua. Oh, we're from far country. Remember that? And they, they lied. And, but they, they spared their lives. They said, hey, we'll be your servants. We just don't want to die. I mean, and they were the servants of Israel. And they were good servants for generations. And there's a whole study on that. And it's a, it's, so there's a lot to be said, and there's a lot that can be said. Here, for our intents and purposes, the only thing that he's saying is, okay, you've got, a, sir, you've got a, a master. I want you to count him uh, uh, worthy of honor. Be obedient. Uh, you know, deliver the goods. Don't be blaspheming him, or, 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 or don't be bad-talking or bad-mouthing him as soon as he turns back. That blasphemes the the doctrine of God. Because at the end of the day, is we want the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Now, you can make this work. I mean, I don't know if you've sold yourself into an indentured ship because of your debts. Again, we've got different mechanisms in place now. But you're working for somebody? Don't badmouth them. Don't, don't. You should be the best worker on the job. I don't think there's any question about it. I think that's what the scripture says, and it says it and it says it and it says it all the time. And they that have believing masters, my boss is a Christian, right? You're saying, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So I got a Christian brother, so I can slack off. I can pilfer things from the office. I can take advantage because he can't really do anything because he's my brother in Christ, right? No, no, you should serve him even with more zeal, with more effort, with more uh, diligence. Um, again, if, you're, if you name the name of Jesus Christ, you've got to be the best worker in the office, on the job, site, at the store, whatever it is where you bring your Christianity, you have to be the best. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, and here he's saying as much, whether you have a, a believing boss or whether you don't have an unbelieving boss. And if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud. He's arrogant is what you see. He's a braggart. He doesn't know anything, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof uh, cometh envy, strife, railings, evil, surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Now, this kind of introducing the whole idea of chapter 6 is about finances in the church, and it's talking mostly about poor and the wealthy, and what their attitudes are supposed to be. And here, it's starting out with slaves. Why? Because they're the poorest. And it's, it's going to go through all the socioeconomic... Uh, now, in 21st century in America, I think we get this better than most churches over the whole wide world. We understand, you know, we don't have uh, the idea of... Well, I, I just say it. We don't have the idea of slave and servant not not anymore we don't we don't have the idea of like we we don't we don't really make much of especially in maine i think maine's wonderful this way you're famous yeah we don't care <laughs> okay we we, we we don't think your attitude is more important uh, uh, your your thoughts your 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 philosophies are more important than ours we don't make a big deal about it you can come to church here and we're like we don't care okay you know come on in worship with us um, we don't have a sense of like royalty. Uh, we don't think in, in terms of like, uh, you're a lot more wealthy than I am. You shouldn't be here. You should go to the rich person's church. Oh, you're dirt poor. You, you shouldn't be here. 
We, we don't think in terms like that. We're much more egalitarian, right? We, we, don't, we don't have those uh, uh, barriers in place. They sure did here at this time. You know, people would think in terms of, you know, servant and master and things like that, wealthy and poor. Um, so this is how you're supposed to do uh, with, with bosses, with servants, with slaves, with owners. And if any man teach otherwise... Okay, now, is there a contrarians? There always is. There always is. Uh, you know, here, rise up and revolt. That's what you're supposed to be telling these slaves. Um, easy, Spartacus. We're Reel it back. We're, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words... Healthy words. The Bible says a lot about wholesome doctrine, sound doctrine. Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ into the doctrine which is according to godliness. We're talking a lot about godliness here tonight, today. If someone doesn't, if so, you get the contrarian. Well, you know, I want, let me tell you something about him. He's arrogant. And he doesn't know anything. Ha, I'm glad the Bible says Because if I call somebody like brainless or something, that's really... Not a good thing, and people get all upset with me. But that's what the Bible's saying. You understand, knowing nothing means he doesn't know anything. Okay, he's dumb. He doesn't even suspect anything. He is clueless. It's Paul's way of saying it. But he doesn't say, he doesn't have a name there. That would be, I think, kind of a step over, right? But the, the contrarian, the guy, ah, that's not, I don't care what the Bible says. What, this is what you should know. Yeah, you're clueless. That's just arrogance and with knowing anything. Doting about questions, strife of words. Um, people major in these little half phrases and there's YouTube sermons over like, you know, one half of a word or half of a phrase and people make much out of stuff that isn't there. And what happens? Whereof cometh strife, envy, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men. Hey, you want to see perverse disputings? Man, well, you've seen that. You've got Facebook, right? Again, you got YouTube, you got Twitter, and people are anything there is to argue about. People will argue about it, and destitute of the truth. And what's the whole bottom line? Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. There are those who hang around church, uh, even in the ministry, because they think that. Gain is godliness. By the way, this should be the death knell for the name it, claim it crowd. This should, this, this, he just condemned you, called you arrogant, know-nothing. Okay? Uh, the faith movement. Um, everyone should be wealthy and healthy and you should have a yacht and a mansion and drive around in a nice car and if you don't, it's your lack of faith. You just have to understand that right now. Um, that doesn't even pass the common sense test. And it sure doesn't pass scriptural muster. It doesn't, it doesn't pass muster scripturally. It doesn't even pass common sense. You go preach that in some third world country and, they'll, and they're looking at like, I don't know what I'm going to have for supper tonight. And they, what are you talking about? It's, to me, the most ridiculous thing. By the way, the mechanism that the preacher puts in place for you to be wealthy is you give a lot of money to the preacher What's wrong with that picture, okay? Uh, I mean, we should all have figured this out. Uh, we, we were talking about this Wednesday night because it was, it's just from where we were going scripturally. And then kind of what happened, it was kind of funny to me because I don't know if people always, but a lot of times uh, I think in my own mind, God will say, yeah, you're on the right track and he'll uh, emphasize something. So there was a YouTube video about this one guy with three jets in his ministry, okay? And he you got to watch this. It's, he's clueless and kind of being mocked and doesn't even realize it and trying to answer for Christ and it's, it's lame. And it kind of undermines my, it kind of makes my point and undermines the testimony of Jesus Christ. People think like, you know what the whole thing is about Christianity? This isn't it for the money. All them pastors, they got, you know, fine mansions there and, you know, getting into limos. The, the, the lady comes up with the microphone as he's getting into his limo literally Okay, and it's a limo. It's not a, you know, 
Golf, uh, Volkswagen Golf or Jetta, and I'm not picking on a Volkswagen Corporation. They make fine product. I'm just talking about an old car that's gone by. Okay, so the, he's he's sneaking into his limo, and uh, you know, he's got security people and his handlers around him and stuff like that. And they, uh, the lady comes in with a microphone. She asks him questions about you know his his jets and this and that and stuff. And he's answering, you know, and he doesn't understand that he's. He's ridiculous. He's making their case for them. And this is what people think, you know, Christianity is all about. I've gone through pains to let you know it's not about the money here. I mean, it never was, it never will be. Um, uh, I don't know how else to say it. But there are those who think that godliness is a means to great gain. They, they're, they're proud, they don't know anything. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Read here, contentment. Is this godliness? Well, you can be very godly and be a malcontent. That's not any good. You can be very content and not be godly. And that's great. And then you die and go to hell. So that's not great. But godliness and contentment, that's really tough to beat. Uh, think about it. We brought nothing into this world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. <laughs> think about it. Everyone wants to be rich, and I think it, it's very, very temporary. You ain't taking it with you. And, and it's always said, and the past will always say, you know, I've never yet seen a hearse pulling the U-Haul. And we, uh, that's, we get it. It's a good, it's a good line, not it, that's hu- hugely uh, hysterically funny, but we get the point. Um, I was there when uh, one of my sons was, were born. He didn't come all robed and nice. You, you ladies, you've had children. They, they come all wrapped up in really a Marnie suit, you know, Ray-Bans, you know, $800 Italian loafers or something. No, they're naked. How do you leave? Same way. Well, they put you in a tux or uh, not a tux, a nice suit, and they put you in a coffin, Right. That's not how you appear on the other side. It says naked here, and I think the idea is naked. Oh, yeah, I think you'll be given a robe. Don't worry about it. But, I mean, you didn't bring anything in. You ain't leaving with anything. That's the way it works. And you have to think about that. So in the interim, we want all these things. We want to surround ourselves with things. Why? Why? People who have all those things aren't happier than we are, and we haven't figured that out yet. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's axiomatic. It's, it's, they're all talking about the same thing. You listen to uh, an interview with somebody. I remember like Sylvester Stallone. This is way back because I think, what was, yeah, Rocky, 1976, right? Okay, there you go. I was like 15 years old. Loved it. <laughs> I've been a Sylvester Stallone fan since my... But I remember him becoming very famous overnight. Uh, uh, and he says, you know, he's climbing the mountain, he gets to the top, everyone knows who he is, and he says, this all there is? I remember watching that, it was very poignant to me, like, because everyone wants fame, everyone wants wealth, and he got it all, and he's thinking, who cares? And I thought, like, that's telling, that's very telling. Listen, you get all the money in the world, what are you doing? You're using cocaine, you're in the Betty Ford Clinic, you're, it's, Money does not equal happiness. And we haven't figured that out yet. And we're all after money like it's the big, if we just get enough. Don't tell me you don't buy any lottery tickets. Don't, don't lie to me because I've had people tell me they do. And I think, really? Why? You want all that headache that you don't have now? The, it was the, the, the lotto, the, the, the big one across the country. What one is that? What's the name of that one? What? Powerball, right. How do you know that, anyway? No, I'm just... just. Powerball is up to, like, 99 trillion or some huge number and stuff, and everyone's talking about it. Some friends of mine said, you get your Powerball tickets yet? And I'm thinking, I did not. What do I want to take two bucks and throw it away for? I don't do that. I don't reach in my pocket, take money, rip it up, and throw it on the ground. That's what I'd be doing. He says, oh, oh, what if you win? I'm thinking, what if I did win? I would have all the problems in the world that I don't have now. Will you give me the money? I said, see? That's one of the problems. That's it. You just illustrate. I don't have that. And all of a sudden, my friends are, how come he won that much money? He never gave me any. They don't ask me that now. So here's the problems. I'm thinking, who wants it? Who needs it? Who? What? I'll be generous. I'd give to the church. I'd give to the church now. 
And by the way, you think you win the Powerball, you give it to the church. You have, have no idea what you're talking about. I have seen, if you're, not, if you're not like a giver now, winning all the money in the world won't make you a giver. It won't. It never does. Because I've seen all kinds of people who have been le- left millions of dollars and they never ended up in the church. Not a dime of it. If you're not like generous, I, I see people who like, have two nickels to rub together. I tell you, we, we've been tithing since, this is a time where I was making $80 a week. So don't tell me you're too poor to tithe, because I tithe $80 a week. Family of four, stop that I'm too poor stuff. I don't want to hear it, okay? If you're making $80 or less a week, and you're, we'll, we'll talk, okay? Just I'm just thinking about like the, the poor widow throwing in those two mites, and Jesus was very excited about that. What, what did she throw in? Handful of change, right? And Jesus is like, yes, now the kingdom can go forward. No, he's like, he likes her hard attitude. I think the less you have, the more it stings when you give, doesn't it? And Jesus loves that. And he knows how to elevate. But if you think being in the church is all about getting money, Certainly not that way in the ministry, although some do. But I'll tell you something. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You can understand this. Please, if you don't ever listen to me, and you never listen to me. You always just nod off with your eyes open looking at me. Listen to this. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We didn't bring anything in this world. Certainly we could take nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. How many are you surprised that all he says, this is the, uh, what you need for contentment. Food and clothes. How many of you surprised? Really? Because I kind of was. He didn't say a place to live. He didn't say shelter. What you need, this is the prescription for contentment. Food and clothes. Okay, you're starving to death. It's kind of hard to be content. Okay? Anyone here starving to death? In America, in the 21st century, are you kidding? We have food. place you can go and get free food at the food bank and stuff. We have uh, WIC. We have that, um, I don't know, it used to be called food stamps, something else now. SNAP. Anyone going without? If you're on SNAP, you're probably eating still better than 80% of the rest of the world. Um, you got clothes? I say everyone wore some. Good choice. Solid. Way to go. I like clothes. I do. I always wear them. I, I, I always wear enough of them. I think, and I like the fact that you don't know exactly where I end and where the clothes begin. I like clothes. <laughs> clothes are good. I got closet full of, yeah. It, it, I, I'd like to like uh, throw Sue's under the bus and tell how ridiculous she is. She's not. I, I probably, I'm probably more ridiculous on this. I open a clothes closet and I got nothing to wear. They've all seen me in this. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just silly about clothes. I, I like, you say, you dress like that on purpose? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I got, I got plenty. And they, people keep giving, as Father's Day or, you know, my birthday or Christmas, people give me more clothes. I ain't worn out the old ones yet. I got a lot of them. I really do. Probably more than a guy should have, right? Now some of you guys like, Three pairs of dungarees, that's your whole wardrobe right there. And for us guys, that's fine. I mean, really, you've got to have a, some, something that has a crease in them or something when you go to a funeral or something. But even then, in Maine, like a lot of people show up at funeral, they still got their jeans on. So, Look, food and raiment, that's the prescription. That's all you need. Well, I need a... No, you don't. <laughs> I, well, I need the new iPhone. You buy it, and then you're going to think, eh, this didn't do it for me. I bought a new car before. You know, I always thought it would be nice if I had owned a truck. Well, I have this one. It's nice. It's a Toyota, that, but it's a company truck. But I've driven it enough to realize if I own this, it's not going to be any better than just driving it. And it's not the answer to my happiness. And if you own a truck, praise God, I'm not, I'm not against God's blessing. All things being equal, I have the one, I'm the one who said I think God wants to bless us. Sometimes he withholds us from us just to keep us in the same place because without which, if we just like, he was showering all kinds of stuff on us all the time, I think it would be about the stuff and not him. It would be with me. I told you this before. I've, I'm very open with you. I've prayed in the past, Lord, just 
give me riches and prosperity, and I just load it on me. I want to be a millionaire. And he said, like, listen, here's the deal. Work hard. Work overtime. Invest wisely. Don't live beyond your means. You'll have plenty. That was the deal. I didn't hear it audibly. I, I felt it in my spirit that that's how, what he had for me. It's worked out okay. Big chunk of change dropped on my lap. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do. I don't even want to find out. You know why? Because I read the Bible. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great chunks of wealth isn't great. Isn't, 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 it's not, that's not going to give you contentment. You think it will, but I'm telling you, and tell, talk to somebody who has it. They'll say it isn't the answer. Food and, content, food and raiment, that'll bring us contention, uh, contentment. Look, what, what is the whole thing? Godliness. Remember um, back in chapter 4, verse 8, bodily exercise, that profits a little. You don't work out, that's a good. That's good for a little while. No problem there. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promised the life that now is and of that which is to come. And I think we all would agree with the life to come. We're living a godly life, and there's a reward that we're going to stand before a righteous judge who knows all the stuff, and even cold water given in his name, you'll receive a reward. That's fine. But I, don't, I want you to understand that's not what the verse is saying. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is. I want to stand before God godly. Thanks for the grace you gave me. Thanks for the mercy. Thanks for the forgiveness. I took that. I ran with it. I got rid of sin in my life. I, I want the slave to any sin. I, I want to live like a man of God should live. Thank you for that. I want that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want that. But godliness is good. Read the verse. For right now, and all you have to do is look at somebody who's living a wicked life and say, how's that going? I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Live like God matters and that he, like, that he lives and that what he wants is, and live to serve him. There's great joy there. I want, to, I, want to, I want it to be all about me. That's the recipe for disaster and miserableness. That's all. And these verses are saying it. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. I just want to be rich. You're already going in the wrong direction. It's already a temptation. It's already a snare. Intermit, uh, what does it say? Uh, uh, Temptation snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You receive the seed, right? And then the thorns come and they choke the seed out. And Jesus said that was the love of riches, the concern for these, the things of this world. Well, it's, it's choking out the life. I don't want that. I want, the, I want the fruitful life, the 30, the 60, the 100-fold. Don't you want that? I think it's not only good for the life to come, but it's good here and now. You want to be happy in this life? Try godliness. We've, you've already tried sin. I mean, we've all done that. The reason we're here is because it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, at some point, you have to step out and face it. I think God's ways might be better than my way. I keep doing the same stupid thing all the time, and it ends up in the same horrible result, but I keep trying it. Maybe eventually it'll work out better. No, it won't. That's just Satan. Don't follow his advice. Follow Scripture. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred through the, uh, from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What else do you need? Now, I will say, it doesn't say the love of money is the root of evil. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The word is, uh, it's, it doesn't have the definite article the, okay? The love of money is a, but the, uh, and it's not the root of all evil. It's the root of all evils, like, and with the idea of all kinds. Because you see that. There's nothing that love of money won't cause a man to do wrong. Thievery is the most often obvious one, or sell drugs, or kidnap people, or start a brothel, or sell 
things that ought not to be sold. What's, what's the common denominator? Well, I'm getting fabulously wealthy, and I love it. Hoo-hoo, making money, yay. Really? How do you sleep? I don't understand it. There's nothing to be... Uh, what, what, what price you put on a good night's sleep? God loves me. I love the Lord. I think I'll go to sleep now. And just visions of sugar plums. It's a wonderful feeling, not, having, not being at odds with God. Love of money. That's a, you can see that right away. That's a fool's game right there. People who have insane amounts of wealth. I can't remember what gazillionaire was asked about his contentment. How much would you, would you have to, that would make you happy? Just a little bit more. Answered. And he, I think he knew what he was saying. He was kind of saying, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm on that treadmill. I'm on that, that it's not getting me where I thought it would. I, I mean, I think he knew what he was saying. You know what I mean? I don't think he was saying, look, I, I get another 20 bucks and I'm, I'm, I call it quits, you know. But that's the way it always is. If you, if you have anything that you're trying to fulfill your life with that isn't Jesus Christ, there's always that just a little bit more, just a little bit more idea. It works out with drugs and alcohol. It works out with pornography and sex. It works that way around all sin. It enslaves you. You think, this is the ultimate freedom. I get to do what I want. Sin has shackles built in. You remember when children of Israel were in Egypt, picture of the world, what were they doing there? They were slaves. Moses came and led them out, right? Joshua brought them to the promised land, the place of freedom. Who's Joshua? Jesus, Joshua, you get that, right? You understand the picture that's going on here. Out of Egypt into the promised land, it's like out of slavery into freedom, among other things. Joshua, Jesus will still do that for you. It is for freedom that we have set, been set free. Stand firm and don't be entangled again into what? A yoke of bondage. I don't want it. Satan's peddling. I'm thinking, no, get your wares out of here. I understand this. Serving Jesus Christ is joy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, I don't want to see how much I can earn, see how much... I, listen, uh, I can get richer if I wanted to. I know, I know that. It's a trap. It's just, it's just, it's a trap. It's, it's not what I'm setting my goals, what I'm, my whole life is about. Why? Because some have erred from the faith and passed themselves through with many sorrows. You finally get what you, you, what you thought, think was going to, and it never satisfies, and it never gets where you want to be, and there's just, it's just sorrows involved. Now, God has blessed you, and you have much. Praise God. It's guilt-free. I mean, if God says, hey, I want you to have this and this and this, well, all right, God, if that's how you feel, well, all right, who might argue with you? You're the divine one. I'm just a... Yeah. But it doesn't... There's no... But I, I, I'm serving the Lord, and, and while I'm serving, He wants to bless me, bless up to Him. And He, he can, and He will, and He do, very often does when He's the goal of my affections, when He's what my life is all about. He knows how to bless. I'm not, I mean, you know, you look at some of the people in Scripture who are fabulously wealthy, but I don't think that was ever their, their intention. You know, David has like, oh man, he was, by today's standard, he's like multi, multi-million, maybe even a billionaire. I don't even know. Uh, what, but he was a man after God's own heart. There was the joy. There was the contentment. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. When to thou art also called and hast professed a good profession among many witnesses. Listen, it's a battle. Join in the battle. Fight the good fight of faith. Now he's putting armor on Timothy. He says, okay, get after it because this is how it works. Lay hold on eternal life. Grab it like a rabbit and don't let go. Because uh, that's what you were called. Now, conscripted or we'd say drafted. <laughs> that's how you were drafted into the army. Did you volunteer? I did and I didn't. I mean, I was saved and he and there was I didn't realize. It's funny to me too cuz I was drafted into God's army I was in Uncle Sam's Marine Corps, so it but but you can do that. That's fine. Is it a confliction? No, 
because I don't care what job you have, you're always serving the Lord. But I would read verses like, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life. And I was all primed to do that anyway. Uh, we're into your call. That's what you're called to do. That's why he saved you, so you could be in his army, among other things. And, and you've professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, he's going to talk more about that and develop that idea. I, idea. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Jesus Christ, who also before Pontius Pilate, witness a good profession. Here, Timothy, you made your, you, you, you're out there. Everyone knows you're a Christian. Everyone knows you serve the Lord. Well, do it right because, and here's the thing, don't go back, lay hold of it. Satan is out there and he's trying to lay you to waste. He's trying to, he's a roaring lion. He's trying to, he's seeking whom he may devour. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to take your life. Don't let him do that. Well, I just feel like every time I try to have the victory, Satan, Stop! Who gave you permission to talk so silly? God's put all things under our feet. He's, he's given us uh, victory over Satan. Why don't you, what, what, what right do we have to not be victorious over, over the devil? Well, I just, stop. We read scripture. We adopt the viewpoints that the Bible says. We, we walk them out in faith. We depend on the Holy Spirit of God. We have all things pertaining to life and godliness. Stop acting like we're some eternal victim. I, you know, am I getting a little agitated? Does it show? But I hate this. I hate this. Well, I just can't. Stop. Don't. Am, am I being unreasonable here? Because my thinking is like, what, at the end of the day, what you're saying is, I'm just saying, Jesus can't deliver me from, wait, did you say Jesus and can't in the same sentence? What do you, what do you, just, why don't you come out and just poke your finger in my eye? I hate that. Stop it. I understand temptation. I understand the lust of the flesh. I understand the pride of life. I understand, I understand all that. I understand what Satan appeals to. I understand scripture. We walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. We do what God says. We don't do what our stupid minds tell us is right. Because, I mean, listen to this point. Haven't you figured it out yet? Every time you do it your way, it always ends up the wrong way. And every time we do it God's way, it always ends up in a good place. Haven't you figured that much out yet? Fight, 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 fight. Don't let Satan win. Why? Don't. It's, it's not going to end up good. Uh, oh, I think I skipped verse 11. Thou, man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. You have to fight to love. Love is a battle. Fight the good fight of the faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Once having it, don't let it go. Uh, is, is he talking about losing salvation? I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's talking about, listen, I, I got saved. I don't want to live like I'm not saved. And I'm going to fight if somebody's trying to get me to a place of back under bondage. Didn't like it. Don't have any use for it. Don't want it anymore. That's all. I think he's talking about. You made a good profession. You're talking the talk. Everyone knows who you are. Well, you've got to keep doing that. I give thee charge as an order in the sight of God. Remember God, don't let him down, who quickened all, quickeneth all things. Give life to all things, like your testimony, like your being. You were enslaved to sin. What did he do? He resurrected you. He quickened you, right? And before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good uh, confession. Now, he's given the example. You know how Jesus did it? That's how I want you to do it. Jesus was on trial for his life, and what did he do? Told the truth. Hey, they say you're the son of God. They say you're you're a king. You're a king? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this reason I came into the world. You got that right. Remember the judge, you know? Tell us, I abjure you by the living God. Tell me, are you the Christ? The son of the blessed. Yeah, you got it right. You got it right. It's as you say, and you shall see the son of man coming in glory. Yep, you're right. Why didn't he just say, no, listen, you got it all wrong. I recant. I renounce. Because he's going to the place of the cross, the place of suffering for our sins. And he wouldn't recant. He wouldn't, 
he, he, he got it right. He said the right words. He said the right testimony. Even in the face of death. And he's saying, Timothy, the worst they can do is kill you. You fight the good fight. Don't go back on your word. Listen. I made up my mind about that because it's sooner or later you got to, God will put you to the test about this. I'm not punking out. I'm not shutting up. I'm not going back. I, 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 I live my life immorally. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep a good confession that thou will keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, for a little while, for the next couple months, next couple of years. No, until the appear, appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll all collapse over the finish line again. What's the finish line? Trumpet, blast, come up here, and or whether he sends for us or he comes for us, when we stop breathing, that's when you can let go. That's when you can, until that time, battle's on. It's go time all the time. Which in his time he shall show thee who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I love that. My blessed potentate, God. He's a czar. He's an emperor. He's a dictator. He's a benevolent one. And he's also your father. My father. He's potentate. I love that. King of kings, Lord of lords. Who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world. He's still on that? Yeah. Charge them that are rich in this world. They be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. It's not a problem to have riches. It's a problem to trust in them. I can... I was going to think of all the times where Jesus spoke against riches and read them one right after the other. I'm hoping the Holy Spirit of God is bringing those things to mind. Jesus said, woe to those who trust in riches. It's harder for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle. His disciples were, ah, what are you talking about? The rich can buy all those sacrifices and they can give a lot of money and they can do all these things that are going to count for eternity. Jesus is like, nah, if you trust in riches, you're in a really bad place. Rich young ruler, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, write out a check. Come on, big boy, put your money where your mom's, right? You know, just go give it all away. It's nothing anyway. Come follow me if you want eternal life. <clears throat> I hope we've made up our mind that way. Charge them the riches, will they be in a high mind? No, trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Don't trust in uncertain riches, trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. There it is. Have you a fine car? I hope you do. Have you a nice house and good clothes? And I hope you do. Fine. Praise God. He's very generous. He's, he's very good. That they do good, these high-minded rich people, that they do good and they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Why does God give us well, I determined from a verse like this, willing to share. <laughs> he wants me to have well so I can give some. You want me to give it all? Well, we pray and we're try constantly trying to like, you know, stay in communication with God about this. You want me to give to this situation? You want me to I mean, listen, I don't care how much money you have. You can give it all away overnight. There's plenty of ways to, but I think he wants to bless and he wants you to do, give wisely. You, that's a, a, a thing uh, a, a, that you should pray about. That they, th that they do good, these rich ones, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. There you have it. That's what God's word has to say about willing to communicate, laying up and store up themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold of etern on eternal life. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. How about like, uh, you used to be a monkey. Your uh, mom and your dad, several generations ago, swung from trees. Uh, we got scientific evidence that's so. Oh, you do. Uh, uh, yeah, you might want to recalibrate, recheck your science. Uh, anything that's against this book is obviously not science. It's superstition and obviously wrong. Uh, we've gone into that at great length at times, uh, not here. 
which some having, which some professing have erred concerning the, for the faith. Grace be with you, amen. We launch in our uh, several young ones here off into the college ranks. They will laugh at your profession of faith. They will think you are a rube. They will absolutely mock and humiliate you for believing in a creator. What are you going to do? I, I don't know. Keep that which is trusted, keep that which is committed. I trust avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. I'm not debating. I'm avoiding that, okay? Which some professing have erred concerning the faith. So I embrace that and leave the faith. No. <laughs> no. No. I, no. 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 What do I get now? Godliness. And does that sound arrogant? No, I'm shooting after, I'm, I'm chasing after godliness. I'm, but the big concern of my life is living for the Lord. How about you? And there's great contentment there. There's, there's peace, there's like joy, there's like, my life looks like it's supposed to look. Am I trying to find, you know, chasing after some rainbow, looking for some pot of gold? How about just service to Jesus? It sounds like a good reason to live. I have some, I have some, Something to live for. I have something to die for. I lay down my life for the Lord. He says, I want you to. Every day. Pick up your, cro your cross and follow me. I'm like, amen. I get it. Death to self. Death to me. Death to my way. Death to... And life to you. Will that end up in great joys you try it? You see if it doesn't. Let's stand. Let's pray. And let's have the musicians come and sing us out of here song. Your word is good, Lord, and as clear as any scripture you've given us. And Lord, if we've been playing around with lesser things than you, now we're unhappy, we're not fulfilled, we're not in that place of great joy, we don't have contentment, we have confusion, we've erred, we've pierced ourselves through with many sorrows. Isn't today the day, Lord, to make it right, to come to a, just a clean break of those things and just repent before you and just be all in all the time? Help us, Lord, to, to make the decisions that honor you. We, Satan's like a roaring lion. He's trying to devour us. But you've given us victory over him, haven't you? So help us, Lord, to, to be the men and women you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross.